because Thanksgiving is, I mean, Halloween is up there, Christmas is up there, but I think Thanksgiving is my number one holiday because it's an excuse for me to like not really be conscientious about not eating too much dessert or any of that shit, dive right in, um, gorge myself on 3,000 calories. Uh, I enjoy the parade. I enjoy football, all that stuff. I'm a sucker for Thanksgiving. And my favorite Thanksgiving movie is still to this day, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, which is a mm. classic. That is a good film. I, I, I agree with you. I love Thanksgiving. It's it's like the kickoff, obviously, for like the holiday season, but Thanksgiving's awesome. It's one day. It's like, for the most part, low pressure. You don't have to, you know, give presents or, you know, dress a certain way. It's literally there for eating and being with people you love. You know, I think I think during Christmas and stuff and those holidays, like people are in and out, whatever. But like Thanksgiving's just a meal, and <laughs> you can drink it like noon, and it's not a big deal. Yeah, it's the best. And Christmas always feels so stressful with figuring out the perfect gift for everybody and all that stuff. And Thanksgiving is just like I just yeah. just gonna make you know a couple of casserole dishes and a pile of meat and mm. uh, eat, eat, eat. What's what's not to like? Uh, man, yeah, so we're sliding into that season, even though it's getting dark early now because of stupid daylight savings time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it makes me okay with it a little bit, I guess. Uh, obviously, this year's going to be a weird year, but I'm still anticipating enjoying it. I agree. It'll be weird. It'll be different. As, is, know, as but... is everything 2020, but... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> with that being said, should we dive into our rewatch yeah. of American Horror Story Murder House? Because, of course... Thanks to 2020, there was no 2020 season of American Horror Story. That's right. Uh, Yeah, let's do it. All right. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to This American Horror Story, an unofficial podcast about the FX hit show American Horror Story. I am your host, Tyler Moss, here with my co-host. Chris Husted. What's up, everyone? What's up, Tyler? How's it going? I'm doing pretty well. Uh, you know, we are recording a day later just because I know for both of us this week has just been nuts. Uh, I did start the week off at a cabin that was in western Massachusetts that was like in the woods behind this farm. It was an Airbnb. It was a wigwam. Uh, style cabin. I don't really know what that means, but it sounded really cool. Um, <laughs> it was basically like kind of fancy camping. It was in, I mean, Airbnb was cheap, but uh, had a wood-fired stove in there, um, cooked some wow. things on it. They had a sun on the property, which was kind of strange, but it was like really cold out. So it was like it was kind of nice to jump in there for a bit. So, you know, I was able to detach a little bit and, and that was great. It sounds like part romantic, part possible location for a horror movie. I know I was a little bit it was bizarre like <laughs> the cabin thing the wigwam had floor to ceiling windows which is totally I feel I honestly kept like waking up in the middle of the night and I would turn toward the windows and expect to see like somebody with like glowing eyes pressed against the glass or something like that that oh my was God, 100% totally. in my head so so that was a little creepy but uh you know it ended that up being fine fun, though. it was fun <laughs> it was fun how are you doing pretty good um I don't really have I mean like we just talked about it before we started recording, but we're all like really in a mental space right now. So um, I would like to say that it's been really warm here the last two days and it's going to be warm for the next four or five days. So we're getting a really odd weather spell of warm weather. So 
It's it it. I love it. This type of fall it reminds me from where I grew up in California, where it's still kind of warm, but the leaves are down. Nice. Yeah, you can take some nice long walks outside, and especially you know uh, these days, it's it's nice to get out while you still can. So that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am excited to dub in or jump into episode eight of American Story Murder House. This is of course Rubber Man. We've been previewing or not really previewing, but we've been kind of like chatting about how. Uh, we were ready to approach this episode for a while. Obviously, some big reveals in it. Excited to talk about it. A couple things I want to get out of the way before we begin. First one is, uh, Amanda wrote us via email. And she said that um, she wanted to point out that in episode one, uh, we make a note or we talk about how Ben only sees Moira as an attractive, sexy maid. And we've talked about this a couple other times, actually, too. uh, About how, you know, the men only ever see Moira as the sexy maid, but all the women see her as, you know, her older Frances Conroy version. Um, Amanda wanted to point out that there's actually a similar situation in The Shining when Jack Torrance is seduced by the naked woman in the sh- the, the bathroom before, obviously, it turns out Were to be her corpse. Were you about to say the shitter? What'd you oh, say? The shower is probably... I thought you were going to say the shitter. Oh, no. <laughs> in, the sh- in the bath scene, the shower scene. The shower. In room yeah, 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 237. Okay. I mean, so, I think there's a toilet in there, but... <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, you know, we do have a precedent for this, and so maybe it is a little bit of a... Shining inspired homage. I do watch. I watched that movie on Halloween. It is one of my favorite movies of all time. Um, it's great. So, so yeah, I think that's totally possible that it was inspired by that a little bit, and you know, talks about the kind of gross desires of men. Certainly, there's some commentary there, and especially when we get into this episode and the actual things Moira uh, we find out is quite the feminist in some of her beliefs. Mm-hmm. Before we move on, did you have, did you see Doctor Sleep? I did. Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, the, the lady in the bathtub comes back sort of in that. Yeah. And that's I love that movie, too. Anyway. Oh, I know. I thought it was great. I thought it was great. I had yeah. read the book, too, and the movie's awesome. Oh, nice. Um, and then the other comment is that Trey on Facebook sent us a message saying that he um, watched this episode, Rubber Man. And while we were watching it, he said, I can't remember if they ever directly addressed this or not, but it seems like the house targets the stereotypical man of the house, quote unquote, more directly than the other occupants. Starting with Ben, of course, with his sleepwalking, Larry warned Ben that the house made him so crazy, or go crazy, and will do things, uh, um, and will do the same to him. Then Chad mentions that Patrick also starts sleepwalking, and when we see him acting like a real asshole, it seems to surprise Chad. Obviously, you know, you and I had discussed how the house can control ghosts to act on its own will, and maybe that helps explain why Moira seems so out of character when seducing them. Uh, the men to tempt them into trouble. Um, so Trey's theory is he thinks it could be like a form of revenge on the house's behalf for the terrible things Charles Montgomery did there to women. So maybe the house is feminist kind of, and that's kind of what Moira embodies to a certain extent. Maybe, I don't know. I think it's an interesting theory too. Yeah. I like that. Um, it, it sort of dovetails with some comments I have a little bit later on about some parallels between the families or couples that have lived in the house and who goes crazy, who thinks they're going crazy. Right. Um, but Trey took it to a whole nother level and I, I, I'm buying into it. I could see that. I like it too. Okay. So before we dive into the episode itself, um, first of all, we want to thank everybody for, of course, sending us emails at this American horror story at gmail.com. You can always reach out to us with your thoughts and theories and all that type of stuff. And we like to talk about them on the podcast. And of course you can message us on Facebook. You, you can post on our wall and contribute to the community of it all at facebook.com slash this American horror story. Uh, with that being said, Chris, what are you drinking this afternoon slash evening? <laughs> I have, I have a uh, Coke zero from Chipotle for my lunch <laughs> leftover. Nice. nice. What, uh, what are you drinking? I'm drinking just apple cider, no bourbon this time. 
just in a mug, um, warm apple cider. It's a you know mm, that sounds amazing. Feels, feels nice and fall. Maybe a little too early, like we said, to actually enjoy a regular a regularly scheduled happy hour. So right. Um, so let's start talking about Rubber Man. Um, this episode is actually written by Ryan Murphy. So, which is interesting. Um, and I kind of feel like we, especially when we get to some of that more dialogue, dialogue, it very uh-huh. much feels like Ryan Murphy dialogue. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. And then also I remember when I was thinking in the lines that Marcy had this episode, I also remembered what you said last episode about how much Ryan Murphy enjoyed writing for Marcy. So I was, I felt like I paid special attention to her lines here. And then it, it was directed by Miguel Arteta, 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 Arteta. Yeah. Yeah. Who I believe is a, a great American horror story regular as seasons go on. Um, okay, so we open six months ago with the cold open, and mm-hmm. we get some interesting uh, revelations here. Do you want to walk us through what happens? Sure. Yeah, we get the flashback to the Harmon family moving in six months ago. Again, this is all taking place in 2011. Um, and then we see Nora Montgomery, the original uh, owner of the house with her husband, Um like a lot of the ghosts in this show walk around and just hate how <laughs> the new people have decorated it. It's such a thing about how <laughs> the new people come in and they start decorating or putting the furniture and the previous owners just absolutely detest it. And that's what Nora's doing with the Harmon's uh, furniture, thinking, saying it's cheap and tacky and, you know, so on. Um, and sort of off screen, a man whom she doesn't recognize asks her how he can comfort her because uh, she's obviously kind of emotionally distressed right now. And he, and she says, like, what about my baby? Where's my baby? Now, we already know the backstory about what happened with her baby became Franken-baby or mm-hmm. um, Infantata. Right. Um, but she does not obviously recollect this, and she's just where she wants to know where her baby is, kind of like a stereotype of a ghost. Like, they have their one thing that they they can't cross over into whatever – the next world for because they're hung up on it. Unfinished business, if you will. Um, so we see uh, this figure, this man, go to the garbage can and get out the rubber man suit that, if you remember, Ben Harmon threw away outside when him and Vivian discovered it up in the attic and said, get, let's get rid of it. Uh, he puts it on um, and we kind of jump right up to back to the scene where he has sex with Vivian or well, he rapes Vivian. Um, even though she, cause she mistakes it for Ben. Um, so that we cut right to that scene. Um, and in a cool scene that we hadn't seen, that we hadn't seen before, we see Ben in his trance go up the stairs and we see rubber man pass down next to him. Like they pass each other on the stairwell and that we have not seen. That was pretty cool. Um, and then we see both Vivian and Ben, um, Ben sitting on the on the bed, and Vivian laying down, both kind of just like dazed, in a trance of some sort, saying "I love you, I love you too," um, uh, which we also have seen before. Um, and then we cut to the bathroom where we see Rubberman take off his mask, and we get the big reveal that we've been waiting for all season, and that is Rubberman is Tate. Uh, and he has an interesting look on his face. He looks kind of shocked, surprised, some form of emotion there. Uh, and that's the end of our cold open. Tyler, what do you think that expression that Tate had meant? That is a great question. 
Um, first off, I want to say I totally agree with you that I love that scene where Rubber Man walks down the stairs as Ben walks up. That I'd forgotten about that too. Oh yeah, it's, it's really good. I liked it. Um, it's it's creepy but cool. Um, man, I think that. Well, first of all, I remember this the first time that we watched this season. I remember this being a huge reveal. Um, and it feel like watching it now, it felt somewhat diminished because we knew it was, you know, I knew it was coming, but I remember at the time, like there was really, you know, we see Tate in the rubber man suit in a previous episode when he like surprises Violet, I think in the basement, but I don't know that we really expected, um, him to be the one who had sex with Vivian before this episode. So I think it is like, it is supposed to be a pretty, pretty powerful cold open in that way. Mm -hmm. In terms of the look on his face. I perceived it as kind of like a what have I done look. And my question for you, I guess, like my question back to you is, do you think that Tate was the real person who orchestrated this stuff? Or is was he like possessed by the house when he was mm. undergoing that? That's a good question. Um, I always assumed that Tate did this on his own volition. Um, but I have questions about him. You know, and they sort of, they sort of not retcon it, but like write it off with a one line, like, oh, he has mommy issues. Cause my first question was like, why does he want to help Nora so badly? You know, there's a lot of ghosts in that house and he wants to comfort her. And at the end of this episode, he's, they make a joke about how he's got mother issues. And I just, I didn't like that. That doesn't make sense, but, or it could make sense if they wrote it, teased it better. Um, but th this, Second time watching it through, um, I think the first time I watched it, I underestimated how much power the house has. We never really talked, or I never really thought about the house having being its own character as much as I have this time around. So, um, possibly the power the house has a little power over the ghosts. We hear later in this episode from Hayden, who clearly knows the rules of, of, of what the house can do for ghosts. Um, she doesn't say. I don't remember if she – I have to go back and watch it now. I should have double-watched it, but triple-watched it. Um, if the ghost – or if the house can make the ghost do anything. I know the house can make them appear and, and do things like that, but I don't know if it can control them in their actions, like to go rape someone. I'm not sure. Well, but we do know that with men, like just like with Ben, it can – maybe it can't – I mean, obviously Ben and Larry were alive, but maybe while it – you know – it can at least kind of put them in a trance, like you said, and drive their actions in that way. And the only reason I, I even threw out there, like, was this Tate or was he possessed is because, like, the way he interacts with Nora and stuff like that seems out of character for the Tate we yeah we know from exactly. his interactions with Violet. Yeah. yeah. No, so, that's, so like, there, there's a difference of how the house treats alive human beings versus ghosts, and the, the, the ghost is kind of unclear for the most part, if it can actually like force them to do something. I don't, I, so that's why I think this is Tate. I think this is Tate, like in his weird, um, tragic, emotional situation, trying to do something right, but doing it in the completely incorrect way. Hmm. Man, I think it's possible. I, I don't know. I, I still think maybe it's the house. Um, very curious to hear what other people think, whether it's the house or Tate who kind of pulls this off, especially because, you know, if you think about, I kind of feel like the house has this end game of like developing an antichrist basically as like a hell mouth. And so if that's kind of mm. where it's trying to get to, good point. then it kind of inspires this behavior. But I don't know. I think it's a good question. 
Um, so let's dive into the meat of the actual episode. I want to start by talking about just the opening scene briefly because Vivian finally gets a clue, we think, um, after the uh, end of last episode where Violet shows her the picture of Nora and she realizes, oh, this person came to my open house. Um, so she's reflecting with Marcy and Moira in this kind of conversation in the kitchen um, and she's feeling gaslighted and that's clearly something that becomes Why? more and more clear. Yeah. Why does she not have other friends she can talk to? Like when you're talking to your housekeeper, housekeeper and your realtor who we've clearly seen you hate your realtor. <laughs> I mean, it, and by the way, we don't get any constants this episode. Um, we don't. Is, mm-hmm. Which is Noticeable. kind of a bummer. Um, but when Vivian is talking about being gaslighted, Marcy almost seems to insinuate in my mind that like Moira should give her a cup of like sleepy tea, you know, like the sedative tea. And that's, I felt like that was kind of weird that like, you know, I don't know. There's a part of me that wonders like, does Marcy know more than she lets on? Mm-hmm. Um, that's I'm curious too. Yeah. Or so, is she so just sure a realtor that. who's trying to unload the house? Yeah. But that, I mean, there's, there was some eye contact there. I mean, maybe they were just like, Marcy was trying to like make eye contact like this person's bonkers, but mm. I don't know. It almost seemed like maybe there was something else going on. Um, let's begin by talking about the kind of series of flashbacks about Chad and Patrick, because I feel like that's kind of the foundation for other stuff in this episode. Um, and that's the next thing we even jump into is kind of the intro of their story. You know, we see Chad out with a friend at, I don't know, brunch, um, worrying that Patrick is cheating. Um, which is, we know he, this is something he's accused him of on Halloween night and stuff like that. So it's, mm-hmm. that's not new information. But again, he brings up, you know, he doesn't want a baby anymore. And I think that we end up realizing in kind of this sequence and the scenes that follow, like how much that statement about them, you know, Patrick not wanting the baby anymore was significant to their demise. Mm-hmm. Um, like Ben, you know, Chad conveys that Patrick has been sleepwalking and he like stumbled upon this weirdo, I mean, I don't even mean to say weirdo. Like, people people can have their kinks. He stumbles across Chad's, uh, Patrick's S&M browser history. We are um, all so about is, consensual, um, you know, inclusive. Consensual kinks. Yeah, kinks. You're, you're, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> no judgment. <laughs> exactly. Um, so what we're seeing here in this, like, you know, this flashback series is really the origins of the rubber man suit. Um, where it came from, you know, it's not really that old. We realize, like, it, it, it just came from Chad going to an S&M store trying to, you know, get something for his guy. Um, there's some, they put some funny, Ryan Murphy put some funny quotes in this clerk, the S&M clerk's mouth. Um, you know, it, it's some things that are also kind of insightful, too. Like, he says, you know, every relationship is a power play with or without the props. Um, and, you know, you can, you can translate that to um, even... Ben and Vivian's relationship, you know, uh, and then also there's he had another quote, quote too that says the point of the suit is to dehumanize the submissive, turn him into a sex toy. Um, it, it, I don't know. It kind of makes it. I don't know. It just makes you think that it, that much more disturbing. Although some of the other toys in that store were pretty like it could have been even worse than the rubber man suit if you think about it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they look downright medieval. Some of that stuff. Yeah, this is a really elaborate store um, in L.A. Yeah, seriously. Um, 
you know, of course, Patrick ends up seeming more amused than actually horny. Um, and honestly, I, I don't know. I felt bad for Chad kind of in the sequence. You know, he's really trying to make an effort. Um, and also it makes you think about it makes you think more about how the fact that right before Patrick dies, he finally shows up in costume like Chad asked him to just as, mm-hmm. you know, Chad yep. wore a costume to try to get to Patrick. So like they were, it makes that almost more, I don't know, yeah, more they, tragic. Chad goes full on Sandra D to uh, Patrick's Danny Zuko and they, you know, Chad tries to leather himself up or rubber himself up not to lose Patrick to uh, Jungle Jim. <laughs> and <laughs> Patrick shows up in his costume trying to be kind of like the more appropriate for a fun Halloween house party uh, for Chad. And, you know, just like the end of Greece. And I just, I actually ultimately felt really bad for them because yeah, they should absolutely break up. And I think they would both be happier, but they do have a love for each other and they know their relationship can't work but they are forced to live out their relationship in this hellhole. And that just mm-hmm. sucks. Well, and again, same issue. The house is has, like literal hellhole. The same, the house has yep. sucked them in it takes all their money. And Patrick right out admits the house is driving him crazy. You know, um, then of course we, we jump forward a little bit in time to seeing, you know, Tate put the rubber suit on. It's Halloween day. I, I guess this happened during the day, really. Um, at least when the actual attack happened. Um, and we see him appear to drown Chad like we'd seen before and then kill Patrick by smashing his head. Well, I actually don't even know if he kills him, but he beats his head into the table repeatedly, yeah. um, drags him down into the basement where Nora is waiting for him. Um, and you know, Tate reveals that he killed them because they were not going to have a baby anymore and he wants to bring Nora a baby. So a new family might be open to a baby. So we get the, we get the why, uh, behind, you know, Chad and Patrick's deaths. Um, yeah, what yeah. were you going to say? I, I have some issues with this because in Patrick's death, um, yeah, he bashed... First of all, Twinkie Little Tate is no way taking down a six-foot-five, you know, Scandinavian, like, man, <laughs> Viking. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. He was, like, throwing him across the table. Unless ghosts he, have he's superpowers. Got go- he's got ghosts. Yeah, he's got yeah. ghost power, apparently. Okay. <laughs> um, and, but... I don't – there's – so after he's like – I think he's whipping Patrick with the – or hitting him with the fire poker, I believe. Um, and then he takes his pants off and are we – is it implied that he's like shoving the fire poker up his butt? Like, I think I, that's what the – I think that that's what it is implied. too far for me if that's – And I'm trying to remember – I'm trying to remember back to like when Marcy was first describing – the murder suicide. Yeah. Um, if she, if she actually mentions that, but yeah, that I agree that that's like a little bit more, it's just yeah. gratuitous than it needed to be. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I like, you're right. He's kicked down into the basement and I guess he's not completely dead yet because Moira lets us know that. And then we have the scene of, um, like we obviously know what happens that they get killed there because their souls are trapped there and they're ghosts. But, um, Tate chooses to kill them there, so they'll be stuck there if they're in love forever. Which we know, if he knows anything about them, that's a horrible idea. Those these poor people who just needed to get out of this house. Totally. And a couple of final thoughts about that scene. So obviously, Tate's line with that—it's kind of romantic, isn't it? Now they'll be together forever. Um, has some dark implications, you know. When mm-hmm. obviously we know he's trying so hard to keep Violet at the house with him. Um. 
and really like motivates some very selfish behavior in her this episode. Um, and then also we see Moira helping out Tate to make it look like the murder suicide with the, the shooting. And, you know, I was thinking about this, that again, it makes me feel like maybe in some ways the house is conspiring for the baby too, because like, what's Moira, why would Moira want to be even involved in this? I don't, and yeah. if that's why my theory is if Chad and Patrick aren't going to have a baby, Moira also seems very invested in Vivian's baby. So if the house is trying to create a baby and, and the ghosts are like the living, well, the undead embodiment of that goal, then they're going to work together to try to bring a baby into the world. So, yeah, I would say one more thing is um, that Trey had mentioned that you brought up earlier is the parallels, you know, between um, Chad and Patrick again, coming through with Vivian and Ben, Patrick and Ben are similar. Chad is, thinks he's going crazy, just like Vivian this entire episode thinks she's going crazy. And people are making sure that she thinks she's going crazy. They're gaslighting her. So and the parallels are there too. And if we look back, we might be able to like dig deeper and see if there's other things that happened with um, some of the other residents who, who have uh, had uh, morbid demises there. Totally. Um, while we're kind of on the subject, because it is such a huge part of this episode, um, I was going to say, have we ever talked about that? We might have already mentioned this on our show before, because I'm sure it's come up in a past season where the term gaslight actually comes from. I think we have talked about it, but why don't you give us a quick refresher? I, I just want to, you know, it's it comes from a 1944 movie called Gaslight, um, in which, you know, a woman's basically a husband is slowly manipulating his wife into believing that she's going crazy and it involves him like flickering lights and stuff around the house and things like that so that's where the term comes in is that this woman you know when someone's being gaslighted they're being manipulated into thinking they're approaching insanity mm-hmm. interestingly it starred ingrid berman and uh 18 year old angela lansbury so oh. there you go wow cool yeah so you know a good old classic there now, let's talk a little bit about Hayden coming in to comfort Nora. Nora had a lot of screen time this episode, which is funny because Lily Rabe has been in the new show on HBO, The Undoing, so I've been seeing a lot of her lately. <laughs> She's nice, pretty awesome. good thriller. Yeah, uh, very different character than we see her play in American Horror Story, but also quite good. Um, okay, so this is when we get some, like, I almost felt like some of these scenes with Hayden were a little bit explainy, like giving us more background about the rules of the house. It's, it's, um, Hayden is there as a clear character just to give us an exposition dump. Totally. Um, so we get a lot of that. We learn like when she can be invisible and when she can't. Um, I mean, it's, well, also, she can just decide basically like, that's how we learn some things about how the ghosts operate, why we see them sometimes and why we don't. Right. Yeah. I, before we get into some of those rules, like I have a problem. The way they're they're doing this exposition dump um, is through Nora and Hayden. Hayden, who's the newest ghost in the house, and Nora, who is the oldest ghost or one of the oldest ghosts in the house, doesn't know these rules. Also, I had a problem that she'd never recognized Tate when Tate first came up to her about the baby when the Harmons moved in. She's, I mean, maybe it's they're gonna tie it to her blowing her head, her brains out, so that like she doesn't remember these things, but. Oh, that's an interesting theory because you know what I was about to say is that it's interesting that Tate also does not realize – I mean she, like Tate, she doesn't realize she's dead, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what Nora and Tate have in common is kind of they both have this forgetfulness about what the situation was whereas you have the other spirits like Hayden who are very aware – and Moira too – who are very aware of how to operate and – 
I don't know, maybe that's a difference, but maybe Moira and Aiden have, because their bones are on the property, somehow it gives them more like insight into exactly how, how the rules of the world work. Um, or maybe, you know, both Nora, I mean, I don't, I don't remember if Tate gets shot in the head or not, um, but he gets shot a lot of times. And we know Nora blair, blows her brain out too, so maybe it has to do with, maybe, maybe like you said, if you don't have your brain, then you have forgetfulness problems in the afterlife. I don't know. Or but maybe, it's interesting, yeah, it's maybe an interesting point. we're being too smart for the show. The, well, and here's the other, actually, the other idea I was going to put out there too is maybe they both did something terrible uh, when they died. And repressed it. And so, and so that's why it's repressed because, uh, you know, murder-suicide was what Nora did with Charles um, and after she tried to kill her pregnant baby. baby. And, uh, and we obviously know what Tate did. Whereas, you know, Moira and Hayden were pretty much killed as innocents. Mm-hmm. Um, Good point. So maybe that Good has something point. to do with it, too. I don't know. A lot, a lot of interesting theories. Um, so... Let's talk about then finally kind of the, the last little bit of this Hayden and Nora interaction. Um, they both bond over having lost a baby. So Hayden kind of conspires for them to steal the ba- both the babies, like a twin for each of them is, is what I get. They're, I they're kind of getting at. But they're basically they, they plot to drive Vivian crazy. Um, and this is where the gaslighting plot comes into full-blown, you know, full steam ahead. This is also where I started having a little bit of a problem because I think for the past couple episodes I've mentioned, what's our driving force here? Yeah, we're waiting for these babies to arrive, um, which originally was one baby. Maybe it had hooves and then it was two babies. Um, Anyway, we're, you know, the pregnancy is really the only driving force because it doesn't seem like they're really pushing to get out of that house as as quickly as as they should. Um, So why not contrive a plot point where we have two ghosts uh, who want to get those babies from her and cut them out of her now. So I was like, I mean, it's a very forced plot point, um, but at least we have a reason for some conflict and to maybe cheer for someone like Vivian, even though we, you know, anyway. It's just, I was like, oh God, well, but at least there's something. Well, we also have some inner, inner, inner house ghost conflict too, because we know Moira is like going to be protector of the baby. She clearly doesn't like Hayden. And Hayden doesn't like her. I'm more um, about and that. So I love that. Yeah. yeah. So we, we kind of have see two different parts of the house um, conspiring against itself in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so this is where, like I said, the gaslighting talks off. Vivian sees what I'm going to call Bo slash the Infantata's ball. Um, roll slowly down the hall door, but this time it's Hayden creating havoc as an invisible spirit. This is why we needed to get this backstory, so that way we could understand why, why and how Hayden was driving, excuse me, was driving Vivian crazy. Um, so she locks her in the bathroom, and it's in there that she finds the rubber man mask in the sink. Now, I think it was just an episode or two ago that you actually talked about, you know, why haven't they brought up the rubber man uh, situation before? So here's where we finally get that coming up. Um, but of course, you know, as the plot unfolds, she blames Ben for both driving her crazy, but also contributing to acting like she's crazy, which is fitting considering Ben is a psychologist, even though uh, he himself was the first one to have seen Hayden. Um, but he won't admit it, just kind of like Violet outright won't admit it. Um, but Vivian at first thinks it's because of her nausea meds. Uh, and this is where we get that big speech, kind of a monologue by Moira about all sorts of feminist stuff. You know, men make you think you're crazy so they can have their fun. Um, she really gives kind of a, a good old English 101 uh, 
overview of the yellow wallpaper. Yeah. Um, Charlotte Perkins Gilman shout out there. <laughs> that's I and, love. Uh, you know, I love really that's shows. how she phrases it too. It's so Ryan Murphy like. You haven't read Yellow uh, Yellow Wallpaper by Charlotte blah 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 blah. I was like, I was like, <laughs> I just that was great, and I, I love this reveal about Moira. She's one of my favorite characters in in, in this rewatch. Like, I really like her. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and you know, she you know talks about hysteria. You know, the history of the origins of where you know, hysteria came from, that term, and men locking up women. Um, and really, she tries to defend Vivian by you know telling her the truth about the spirits, really, or at least insinuating it, not about herself, but mm-hmm. like basically saying you are not going crazy. This house has powers, mm-hmm. um, which Vivian, uh, you know, unlike Violet, Vivian has not allowed herself to come to terms with that. Um, I don't know. It, it's uh, it's an interesting turn for Moira to really be. I mean, we are we kind of got the so we've seen her. With Constance way back when and Tate saying, like, we need to prevent them from leaving the house because Ben needs to treat Tate. That was, like, season one or episode one, I mean, I think. Maybe two. And now we have her telling her, these are ghosts in this house, GTFO, you know, if you want to protect your babies. So it's a little bit of a change, but maybe she grew attached to it. Yeah, I Yeah, it is interesting that now she kind of changes her tune and wants to protect – Vivian in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and is, yeah, like you said, it is advising her to get out of the house. It is a little bit of change of tune and it's not really clear what that's come from, but yeah, maybe she has grown attached to her uh, over time because, you know, Vivian has been for the most part pretty nice to, pretty nice to Moira, I would yeah. say. Yeah, yeah. Um, so she takes, she wants to take, you know, Moira's advice and run off with Violet um, as Tate looks on pretty angrily from, you know, out in the front yard but then the dead home invaders pop up in the backseat, of course, just in time to prevent them from actually kind of going. Um, police show up. Everyone's like, Vivian's very upset. They, you know, have given her some Valium, I think, or something like that. Mm-hmm. Ben immediately starts psychoanalyzing. Yeah. Uh, All the men talking like, about to go this to woman. And get no, if you don't, if you mm-hmm. don't notice, yeah. Yeah. Um, and this is when, you know, Vivian is accusing Ben and Hayden together of gaslighting her. And that's when the kinky knight comes up with Rubber Man, and that's kind of Vivian's OMFG revelation. Um, which, at that point, you can't really blame her for kind of going a little bit crazy because the horror of what happened is, is pretty awful. Around this time, though, too, we learned that Tate and Violet finally have sex, which I don't really understand why that was a part of this episode um, or what that was. I mean... What made Tate change is, I guess, my question for you. Like, why is, you know, and why is he so against Vivian learning about the spirits is, I mean, because he thinks that's going to drive her out of the house or is it because it's going to reveal more about what he did? Um, yeah. But he's really able to persuade Violet in this scene. He almost has kind of a power over her now. But, I'm yeah, I'm curious what you made of that part. So I think because they're trying to draw a line between Tate having had, like, raped Violet's mother and then now having consensual sex with Vivian's daughter, Violet. Um, and just, this right. is the same person. Um, so you, even though he seems like, you know, might be a nice guy for Violet and he's a horrible human being, um, totally tortured. Sure. But, um, he's also a rapist. Um, I think that's why we have it in this episode, just cause you, it's going to be uneasy seeing him on screen from now on, knowing that he's the guy who put the babies in Vivian. 
Mm-hmm. But well, and I think that's a re- yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say I think that's a really good point. Is it also makes you know that if and when the revelation comes to Violet that Tate is the one who had sex with her mother, um, it makes that revelation all that much more disturbing to her too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so th- this is kind of where Tate comes into the modern day scene in this episode. You know, Hayden's trying to manipulate Tate into what it's not entirely sure. Basically, keeping them in the house somehow, or, or I mean, they seem to want to manipulate. I, I'm not sure if Hayden wanted Tate to kill Vivian or just to make her feel insane so she got locked up, but that wouldn't help Hayden and Nora get the babies. So I'm not entirely sure exactly what the, the plan uh, is unclear. The end game was. She, doesn't she just say, like, yeah, you know plan. what you need to do or something like that? <laughs> yes. And so I was like, what, what, what does he what need to that? do? I don't know what he needs to do. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so, you know, Vivian armed with Marcy's gun is like <laughs> looking around for Hayden, presumably. Oh, dear. Um, and then Tate, Hayden and, um, I don't know, Tate comes to fuck with her too, and she ends up shooting Ben in the leg. Uh, thus proving her insanity, I guess, or at least like giving him a good enough reason to lock her up at that point because she's like violent toward other people. Um, of course, Luke comes in and kind of swoops in at the end to defend, to try to defend Vivian against Ben, which may be like Morris Chestnut again, his character, uh, underrepresented in this show. Um, I, I, you know, I wish we could have gotten more of him and maybe we could have gotten the Vivian, uh, Luke love story we all deserved. Um, <laughs> but unfortunately not. Um, you know, he's not really able to accomplish too much in Vivian is upstairs in her Valium dream where she's again haunted by Hayden. Um, and this is where uh, we get the reveal in that horrifying scene. I think we get the replay of the scene again that Tate is the father and he's looking in the mirror and stuff like that. It's like, I don't know. It, 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 yeah, it, it's not entirely clear what happens here, whether it is in Vivian's mind, whether... Um, how mu- I guess how much was in Vivian's mind because, you know, one minute it's Tate on her and then the next minute it's Ben. And uh, I mean, also she's been given sedatives. I don't know. Now they all think she's nuts and they're going to commit her. Um, and Violet sells out her own mom. Oh, that was heartbreaking. Is, I mean, that was really heartbreaking, especially because you kind of feel like that they bonded a little well, bit. Well, and for talking about um, themes, you know, Tate manipulating or gaslighting Violet saying this is the only way. You need to protect your mom or whatever. And then, you know, Violet selling out her own mother, who she's been the closest with throughout this whole season. It's tough. It's hard yeah. to see that. It's really hard to see that. Yeah. And and Violet seems to kind of maybe express some regret entirely. You know, yeah. Hard to see exactly for sure. But I don't know. And that's kind of where this episode leaves off. Um Unless I'm forgetting something. Well, the only other thing I would else? say, yeah. So maybe mentioned a little bit, but like Violet, when she uh, talks with Ben, when he's there and she just goes in on her dad about how he's not noticed the mom going crazy and whatnot. And she even makes one comment about like, I'm surprised you haven't like come on to me because you cheat all the time. And it was just like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like it was, it was a little yeah. too far for me. Um, but it, but it resonated enough that it was, it was you know, I don't know. It seems a little forced. Um, but then we also discover that she's been truant for two weeks, 
which is notable. Oh yeah, um, I, yeah, I skipped that bullet. You're you're right. Yeah, she's she's just been hanging out at home. She doesn't really have a good excuse for it, other than she doesn't like school. And well, I mean, and I think what we're supposed to get insinuated is like her and Tate have been spending just way too much yeah. time together. Um, though, though no one really is like neither Vivian nor Ben is aware this is happening. Mm-hmm, right, because this house is that big. <laughs> mm-hmm. So that being said, um, yeah, I want to hear you know what your review of this episode is. I mean, no Jay Lang. That is yeah. uh, that's a big deal. Yeah, <laughs> no Jay Lang. Um, I, you know, on the first watch, I really love this episode. I remember because we had such a big reveal with Tate and I love that they planted it in the beginning. So you were paying attention much more to a lot of things. And then the flashbacks work with that reveal early on. So you watch it differently than you did the first time around when we saw snippets of the original scenes that we had already kind of previously seen. But then we got some more, um, more uh, um, fleshed out scenes or scenes that happened before and after the deaths that we saw early on. So that was kind of cool. I like that. Um, this time around, because I knew it was Tate, um, it was less impactful, but that's because it's the second time around. I'm not going to fault it for that. Um, I love the feminist uh, diatribe, let's say, that uh, Moira gives. It's very on brand for Ryan Murphy. Um, especially going to a little history anecdote about uh, um, hysteria and your, you know, uh, womanly body parts, um, your uterus, I should say. I love that. Um, some of the stuff that I mentioned earlier it just feels forced to keep us, you know, get us keep a storyline going. Um, some things I would appreciate have been foreshadowed. Maybe I missed them. Some things are hammered a little too. Uh, too much in but overall it was fine it was a good episode it wasn't amazing it wasn't trash no, nothing's too trashy on that well you know what i mean by trash but I, it was good i give this a solid 3.5 rubber man what and i i, I want to say i i forgot how much hayden was in it and i don't need her as much i i'd be okay if we didn't use her as much as we have i didn't remember after the first season having kate mara in it that much but you know, she's actually in a lot more. Um, and I didn't remember um, Zach Quinto and um, I can't, I'm blanking on the actor's name, blonde guy, uh, Skarsgård uh, Beta. Pat, well, yeah, Patrick. Patrick, yeah. Um, their relationship in it more. But I like that because I didn't pay attention as much the first time through. Now I'm seeing all these parallels and why they used some of these families and characters who lived in the house previously to show how the house manipulates you and so forth. So anyway, um, so it was good. It was good. I liked it. What do you, what did you think? I feel like this episode definitely missed some flashes of Jessica Mm -hmm. Lang that I wish we'd gotten. Um, and maybe had more Hayden than we needed. Um, I think they tried to give Kate Mara some fun scenes Mm -hmm. like when she has sex with and then kills Constance's husband, and then he pops right back to life. That was funny. That was kind of a funny little little situation. But uh, I I think that this episode, I agree with you that it is a step up from the last episode. We're kind of back on on the uphill swing, or you know, we're we're trending positive again in terms of uh, the storyline and stuff like that. There were definitely. I, I did very much like the backstory and Ed and Patrick delving back into that the parallels between them and Ben and Vivian I think are really good. Um, the things that I that kind of I don't know and, and I, I totally agree with you too about the reveal about how my, this reveal was supposed to be really powerful and even though you know we knew it was coming I still I still 
felt that a little bit. And so I, I enjoyed that. Um, too, and I think it is cool that they did it in the cold open and kind of the aftermath is, is everything else. And we also see that he's the one who killed, you know, Chad Patrick, which is a big deal. Yeah. And we're getting answers now, which is something that's always good. Uh, but I think the, you know, kind of to your point, especially now that we know how things play out in apocalypse and how, you know, what the fate of the baby is and all this stuff, it does, I feel like I'm looking back at this season and really trying to analyze like, what are the house's motives in the baby, uh-huh. like in the, in the, you know, in how the baby develops and what happens to the baby, all this different stuff. Um, and it does make me wonder, like, you know, am I reading, like you said, am I re- are we reading too far into some of these things? Because like, we know how it plays out and now we're like looking back at season one and trying to see a direct line to everything that happens in apocalypse. And maybe there's not one exactly, but I'm still trying to find one and try to understand people's motivations. And I do like, I appreciate the dynamics with Moira being kind of the protector. Um, but like, you know, I don't know how I feel about the Tate, Nora, Hayden versus Moira dynamic and like why they're kind of Ghost all, fight. like you said, why, why is Moira kind of, why is Moira ready for, you know, her, her to leave all, maybe Moira still thinks Eskandarian's going to come by the house and put a pool in there. <laughs> um, but, but I, I overall agree with you. I think I'm going to, I'm going to give this episode three and a quarter or sorry, three and okay. three quarters. So better. Um, yeah, I think it was, it's solid. It's solid. It's, which is what eight and a quarter total, um, six and six and no. seven and a seven quarter. And a quarter. quarter. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I, as 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 you know, I was able to talk about the yellow wallpaper, but I can't do any math. So uh, you know my. We, I can count to two hundred seventy. <laughs> <laughs> that's about it right now. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so that's where we're at. Uh, I, again, you know, we've got four mm-hmm. episodes left, right? So. We we know there's some we know there's a couple more big reveals coming. Um, I mean, there's one in particular that really jumps out at me. But I'm trying, like again, trying to come back to like now that we had these reveals happen. What are the what happens in those other three episodes? Yeah, I don't even I'm trying to think too. Know if I really remember. So it's gonna be it's gonna be fun. It's gonna be exciting yeah. to revisit it. Cool. Well, Chris, uh, between now and next week, which will feel like <laughs> a month. Where can people find you? Uh, I will be on Instagram and Twitter at Chris Husted, Chris with a K. How about you, Tyler? You can find me on Twitter at TJMoss11. As always, you can email us at thisamericanhorrorstory at gmail.com with your questions and thoughts and theories, all those good things. Or you can check us out on facebook.com slash thisamericanhorrorstory where you can join the conversation on our posts or you can message us. Um, interact whatever way you want we enjoy the kind of community aspect of this show that is probably my favorite part of all of it and finally if you would be so kind as to leave us a review on itunes or sorry not itunes the apple podcast app um, or on stitcher we really appreciate that um those go a long way and we always enjoy um you know yeah and everyone stay safe out there it's kind of crazy times right now so we hope you're staying safe Stay safe, stay, stay healthy. Um, I don't know, put on, you know, some meditation app and drink some warm tea and, uh, you know, take a walk in this uh, nice fall weather. Anyway. Love it. <laughs> Until next week, happy hauntings.